There is still nothing uh, better than face-to-face telling someone uh, about Jesus Christ, telling your story to them, and we are all called to do that. And the old-fashioned way is still the best way to do that. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, last week, as, um, as uh, Jeff Wheeler, our minister, in, interim minister of discipleship, preached for us uh, on the care and feeding of sheep, talking about um, the concept in, that, in our educational ministry about of reaching people and then connecting them into the life of the church and then caring for them. I want to take that a little bit deeper in, in what we're talking about today because uh, this is so important. The way we're going to reach new people, the way we're going to grow uh, is by not just opening the doors on Sunday morning and putting out a sign, but it's going to be as we intentionally reach out to people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, while I was off last uh, week, one of the things that, uh, that I did was I read uh, Greg Laurie's uh, most recent book entitled Tell Someone. And Greg Laurie has a, a fantastic testimony in his own. He's pastor, I think it's of uh, Harvest Something Church over in, in California, and he preaches to thousands on crusades. Uh, and it's a very simplistic, but yet it's a very motivating book about telling the good news, telling somebody about Jesus Christ. And so I couldn't think of a better title for it today, and simply it's just to say, tell someone. Now, I know when we come to talk about evangelism, that and uh, stewardship are probably uh, the two subjects in all the Scripture that make us the most uncomfortable, and that's because, uh, well, a lot of people just don't like stewardship, that whole concept, and talking about money and church and giving, don't think church has any business to be talking about that, and that's far from the truth. The other thing about evangelism is most people kind of turn us off at the very beginning and say, well, that's for people with the gift of evangelism. That's not for me. I don't have the gift of evangelism, so that doesn't relate to me. And that's not true. The Bible clearly teaches us that we are a believer in Christ and we are a follower of Jesus Christ, then we are mandated to tell others about our faith and what God has done for us through Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. So those are things that call for us uh, maybe to move out of our comfort zone uh, and to get into the zone where God wants us to be. And he wants us to be on mission for him uh, wherever we have the opportunity to do that. Now I want us to look at our scripture today from Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 through 6. The Apostle Paul is coming near the end of his letter to the church at Colossia. And this is what he is giving to them as some of the final instructions for them. And I want you to notice that there are two themes that run parallel. Uh, about There's one on prayer and there's other on evangelism. And they run parallel like, like railroad tracks. They're, just, uh, they're constantly going to be together. Because you're not going to engage in evangelism unless you have a prayer life that leads to that. And then you're not going... Uh, to, to be successful in evangelism or sharing your faith unless you pray. Those two things are constantly interwoven. And so with that thought in mind, then look at these scriptures with me. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ." For which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. 
Now, uh, two things stand out for me in, in that passage of Scripture. First is that dual parallelism of prayer and evangelism. They go together. Uh, without prayer, you're not going to be evangelistic. Without evangelism, your prayer life is really going to kind of end with just gimme, gimme, gimme stuff, okay? But the other is the introduction of this word, outsiders. Kind of a strange word, isn't it, to find Paul saying, be wise in the way you talk or move or act towards outsiders. Who are the outsiders? Who's he thinking about there? Well, the, the outsiders are anybody who's outside of that fellowship of a relationship with God, who's outside of the kingdom of God, who's not yet come to know Christ as Savior and be a part uh, of the kingdom of God as God wants everyone to be. So think about the phrase this way, you know, inside out and outside in. That relates to several different things we can uh, make analogies with, okay? Sometimes to appropriately wash a garment. Uh, so that it doesn't ruin in some kind of way. Oftentimes you're told to turn the garment inside out and then wash it and then take it out for, for drying. Um, we talk about and somebody who's an insider. They're somebody who has um, an inside track to whatever it is that you're talking about. And they've got inside information. You know, like with the disciples, there was that special group of Peter and, and James and John uh, who were with Christ, and they went with him into the garden. They were that inner circle. They were kind of insiders, and maybe maybe that bred a little bit of some of that um, uh, contempt among the disciples with that. But think about uh, Andrew as, as, as who he was. He was left out of that group. But there was that even that insider group in the disciples. And then uh, there was a show. I don't know whether it's still on or not. Television show, Inside Edition, because there are inside scoops about that. We hear things about insider trading, and it's really not illegal. There's a way you do it that's legal. Then there's other way when you get in trouble when you do it illegally. And then sometimes uh, uh, people who are serving time in correctional institutions refer to themselves as insiders, and those who are out there free are outsiders. So here's what we need to think about. According to the Bible then, if you put it in that analogy about Paul talking about be careful how you act towards outsiders, then there are only two people, only two kinds of people in the world. Those who are insiders, who are inside the kingdom of God. That's anyone who's repented of sins, confessed Christ as Savior, and you're part of the kingdom of God. Then the other type of people in the world are those who are outsiders. That might include some of you today if you have not yet accepted Christ as your Savior. You see, that's not to condemn you, not to put you down, because you need to understand that God wants you to come from being outside of his fellowship and outside of a relationship with him and be an insider inside the kingdom of God. And his plan of action is simply this. This is God's plan, his action. Yes, for us who are believers and insiders to reach those who are outsiders, then he wants us who are insiders to get outside so we can get outsiders inside. That makes sense to you? That's inside out, outside in. Those of us who are believers are insiders. He wants us to get outside, outside the walls of the church, outside of our comfort zone, outside into the real world where we live, where we work, where we play, where we go to school, all of that, and reach people who are outside and bring them inside. Now, let me say one more time. If you're here today and not a believer, let me tell you, God loves you. He wants you to be in his kingdom. He wants everyone uh, to be saved and come to know Jesus Christ. He wants you all to embrace his love. 
And he wants you to be a part of the fellowship of this church and of the kingdom of God. In fact, I think that's one of the reasons, as Scripture tells us, uh, as to why um, Christ has still been delayed in his coming. And we're still waiting for that because uh, the Scripture says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, that tells us that Christ died for the sins of everyone, and he died for your sins, and he died for the sins of all those who are outside of the kingdom of God, and he wants you on the inside. Now, don't shut me off on this because you, you might be sitting there thinking, I don't have that gift of evangelism, and that's way out of my comfort zone. And I will grant, that's, that's, you know, that's not a comfort zone for most of us. Those who are gifted with evangelism are very gifted with that. But again, let me remind you, all of us are charged with that responsibility. When Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew and in Acts 1, uh, 8, he, he gave it to his disciples. We are now his disciples. And he didn't say, those of you who have the gift of evangelism, go and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them. No, he said, but you... You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that you is in the plural, which means all of us are you. And so we have to remember that, that we are all called and mandated to tell someone. Tell someone. That's the title of that book that, that Greg Laurie had. And I just, I just can't think of a better explanation about what we're supposed to do with our faith except tell someone. And the reality is that it's got to be true that every one of us in here today, insiders, know somebody who is outside the kingdom of God. You know, it might be a family member. It might be a close friend. It might be a neighbor. You know, it could be somebody you go to school with, somebody you work with. All of us probably know somebody outside the kingdom of God. And our desire should be that we want them to become insiders and become a part of the kingdom of God. It might be as you th think about some of these people, and then I just simply want to lay out from Scripture uh, that we read earlier a, just a, a, a twofold process about how I think we can work and tell someone about Jesus Christ, okay? There is first again, let me remind you, that dual emphasis on prayer and evangelism. So when we look at our text here that we read in Colossians, We'll look at the uh, verses 2 through 4 talk to us about prayer. That's speaking to God about people, okay? And then verses 5 through 6 is the evangelism part of it, that where we are speaking to people about God. Now, what does the Apostle Paul say to us in these words, all right? Here's the first one, in speaking to God about people. The question has got to be, how do we pray so that we prepare ourselves to tell someone about Jesus Christ. Well, verse 2 says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. There are three things there to notice. First of all, you have to devote yourself to prayer. The word devote simply means uh, an unrelenting persistence. You never give up. That describes the, uh, the people, the believers in the early church in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 where wonderful things were happening and people day by day will change from outsiders to insiders because the Scripture said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. you got to devote yourself to prayer. 
If you devote yourself to prayer, it simply means you have a heart and a passion to pray. It's a normal part of your life. You learn to pray uh, persistently. You learn to pray at all times, as the Apostle Paul would admonish us. And prayer is a spiritual discipline that we have the opportunity to use, and I'm sure many of us do many times a day. You don't just start your day with prayer and end it with prayer, but every opportunity in, in the flow of life is an opportunity to pray in so many different ways. And when the Holy Spirit nudges you about a concern for somebody who does not know Jesus Christ, that they are an outsider, then you need to be ready to pray. And if you are already devoted to prayer and have a devoted prayer life, you will just simply add them into your prayer life. So devote yourselves to prayer. Second thing Paul says is pray with watchfulness. Pray with watchfulness. I think a way to say that is simply be alert as you pray for these who are outsiders. Now what, what possibly could we mean by that? Well, let me give you one specific thing that's a very powerful, powerful thing to pray about. Is That is to pray for the removing of obstacles that's in the way of your friend, your family member, your co-worker, your fellow student, whoever it might be, who is outside the kingdom of God. Because you see, while God wants everybody to be saved, Satan does not. In fact, the Scripture tells us that the God of this age, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. See, there are obstacles that Satan will put up in the way of unbelievers so that they cannot see the gospel. They can't see the cross. And you need to look at the opportunities that come your way. When you identify those obstacles in the life of the person that you are burdened for, and that is, is to begin to pray that those obstacles will get moved so they can see the cross. It might be something in their own life. It might be their sin, their pride, their anger, you know, any of those things in, that, in the life of that unbeliever. It could be the environment in which they live. It could be the negative influence that somebody is having on them. So you need to ask God to remove these obstacles and claim them in the name of God. That's what happens when you begin to pray boldly and and pray with devotion and, and take advantage of those opportunities. When you understand what's keeping your friend from from coming inside to the kingdom of God, then you begin to pray for God to remove those obstacles. Then Paul says, pray with thankfulness. And see, every time we pray, we have, we have reasons to give thanks. And, and particularly in this, as we're thinking about that dual track of prayer and evangelism, this is a wonderful opportunity and thankfulness to thank God that you're a part of the kingdom of God and that you're inside the kingdom of God. And then you thank Him for the opportunity that He's given to you to go outside to those who are outside the kingdom of God and that you have the message that can change their lives. If you look at the book, the whole entire book of the letter of Colossians, you'll find that, that Paul gives many expressions of thankfulness. Verse one, chapter one, verse three, we th- always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Uh, chapter one, verse 12, we give thanks to the Father who's in qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of God. Then he says in two, chapter two, verse seven, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, and overflowing with thankfulness. And then uh, verses uh, th- uh, 15 through 17 in chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. 
And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. He goes on to talk about singing songs and hymns and praise to God. Now, those are three things that verse 2 talks to us about. Pray with devotion, with watchfulness, and thankfulness. Then, when we look at verses 3 through 4, we find the answer to the question that is, then what do we say when we pray? Now, listen to what Paul said. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now I think there are at least two things that tell us here uh, what we should pray for. The first is pray for open doors. Paul was talking about praying for open doors of opportunity to share the gospel. And and, and you hear what he said He says, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul was under arrest. He was under arrest for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he wasn't praying for an open door of escape from his imprisonment. He was praying for an open door of opportunity to share the message of Jesus Christ. And when God talks to us in his word about an open door, it's an opportunity for us to do something for him and for the kingdom of God. Jesus said in, when he wrote to the church in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 8, to the church in Philadelphia, he said, See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. See, right now, we at Spring Valley Baptist have some open doors before us. The opportunity to get outside and to bring people inside. Let me give you some examples. The Good News Bible Club after school study at Pontiac Elementary was, was a success. Now we're working on follow-up. A hundred children and their families. So that's a fantastic door of opportunity. The students this coming weekend have their spiritual retreat. It's a fantastic opportunity. If anybody's on that retreat, any of you students on that retreat who's not a believer, then you need to ask somebody to pray for you. Ask God's heart to speak to you through the speakers, the music, and all that's going to go on. That's a wonderful open door for opportunity. we got Vacation Bible School coming up in about less than two months. That's a wonderful opportunity that we'll have as hundreds of children will be here and involved in Bible School to reach them and their families. And then we got the Sparkleberry Fair coming up on, uh, what, two weeks, on April 30th. Choir's going to be singing at 3 o'clock, I think, at the main grandstand, whatever. But we're also going to have a tent. We're going to have brochures and information about Spring Valley. There was a brochure in Sunday school classes about uh, signing up, volunteering to help us with that project. That's a wonderful opportunity. That's an open door of opportunity that we have in the community where there will be thousands of people, many of them who do not know Christ, many of them who do not have a church home. Pray for open doors, opportunities. And when God opens the door, walk through it. And then the next thing Paul says then is that we should pray for clarity. What does he mean by that? Well, when God opens the door and there's a wonderful opportunity to tell someone about Christ, then we need to pray that we have clarity of words to make the gospel message pure, clean, simple, and easy to understand and accept. See, oftentimes what happens is, is that we begin to talk about sins, and you go off on some kind of sin, and you don't know, but it might be that's the sin that that person is dealing with. 
And then you start hitting people hard who have that kind of sin. And, and instead of feeling, instead of feeling love, they're, they're feeling judgment. And so we need to pray for clarity that we can make the gospel clear and plain that God loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins. And all you have to do is to believe in him, trust in him, commit your life to him. Now, that's the prayer part, speaking to God about people. Now, here comes the other track, and that's the, that's the, the evangelism track. This is how we share that. And it's speaking to others about God. And we find that in verses 5 and 6. See, verse 5 focuses on how we walk, and verse 6 focuses on how we talk. How are we supposed to walk? Paul says, be wise. Walk wisely. He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. What's he talking about? What does it mean to be wise as to how you walk? It means that if you are known at, at, at work, in the neighborhood, at school, as a follower of Jesus Christ. There are people who are not followers who are going to be watching you. They're going to be watching your lifestyle. You are the gospel to them. And you need to be careful how you walk. You need to be careful how you behave. When Jesus sent the disciples out in Matthew 10, 16... He told them to be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. See, we need to be careful about the way we act, how we, how we walk in this world. Because people are making decisions about the validity of the kingdom of God based upon what they see in our life. Then the second thing is then to make the most of the opportunities. That, that's a business phrase that, that uh, it means to buy up. You find a bargain on some commodity, and it's such a great deal, you spend all that you have to buy up as much as you can. And what that simply means is to make the most of opportunities is that when God opens that door of opportunity, we've been prayed up, we've been practicing, we're ready to go, we're ready to walk through that door of opportunity, and we're going to make the most of it. We're going to make the most of it. And then he says in verse 6 then about our speeches that it should be gracious. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, sometimes that's one of the answers that you give, isn't it? Well, I, 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 I don't know how to share my faith because I don't know if I could be able to answer the questions people ask me. And there will be some questions that they will ask that's far off the track. Do everything you can to move them back to the central point of the gospel. Don't worry about all those others. We, say we, can, we can talk about those later. We can, we can ask the pastor. We can ask somebody else. We can look that up. We can do some research on that. That's important to you. But let's just get back and focus on this. See, you want your conversation to be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Make sure it's with love and acceptance rather than judgment and condemnation. And then Paul said, be appealing. He talks about seasoned with salt. We know that salt adds taste to our food. It's also a preservative. It's also interesting that in uh, Leviticus it talks about salt was added to some of the Old Testament sacrifices. Salty speech back in Paul's day referred to witty and clever discussion. And I think what it challenges us to say here, and our speech should be appealing as we talk to people about God, is 
that um, it, we need to see these as, as oral sacrifices that we're offering up to God. And we want it to be pure and clean and crisp, and we want it to be seasoned with just the right amount of salt and be gracious and be appealing as we share the gospel. And then he says, be ready. Always be ready. And see, that, that figures that if we start out here by being devoted to prayer, then the last thing would be then be ready to, to share your faith. And I love what Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Here's how we live that out. You're a believer. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're known for that in your neighborhood, in your home, at your school. You're known for that where you work. When you live that life that's the pattern of a believer in Jesus Christ, eventually somebody's going to come to you and they say, I know you've had a death in your family. How are you handling that? They're going to say, you know, you didn't get the job promotion you wanted, but you still got a great attitude. How are you handling that? How how you come in here every day with such a great work ethic when everybody else wants to slough off and get by with the least amount of work? Man, you know what? That's an open door that God has given to you. You got to be ready. You got to be ready to tell them why you live that way. And that gives you the opportunity to tell your story. You tell your story about how Christ came into your life, how you came to know Christ and the change he's made in your life. Then you tell his story, how God in his love sent Jesus Christ into the world to die on the cross as the sacrifice for our sins so that everyone's sins could be forgiven. And everyone who will trust in him can believe in him and spend eternity in heaven. And then thirdly, you simply ask the question, would you like to pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? And then you want to invite them to church. Bring them here so they can get involved in a Bible study class, so they can hear the Word, feast on the Word, and grow the way that God wants them to do. I know that we struggle in doing that. But but that's what we're called to do, to tell Someone. Greg Lauer ends that book with an illustration about a missionary by the name of George Smith. George Smith was a man who had Africa on his heart. That was where he felt he was called to go and minister. And he was there for only a short period of time in a small village when he was driven out of the country. And he left only one person converted to Christianity behind. And that was a woman in that tribe. And it wasn't long after that that George Smith died on his knees praying for Africa. Sometime later, a group of people exploring in Africa found that village where George Smith had ministered. They found that one woman who was a convert to Christianity, and they discovered the Bible that he had left behind. And later, a missions organization did a study, and they determined that 100 years after George Smith left Africa, 13,000 people had come to faith through his ministry because he reached one person. And that one person reached another. And that one person reached another. You see, God has no other plan 
in spite of what our shallow thought Christians said about it. He has no other plan than for you and me to tell someone. Father, you want us to be insiders in your kingdom, but then you want us to be comfortable in moving outside of that so that we can reach others who are outsiders outside of your love and grace and mercy in your kingdom. Father, help us to, to develop the faith and the courage that we would be willing to step out of that comfort zone, to step outside so that we can share the gospel, tell someone so that they can come inside the kingdom of God. May you give us that spirit throughout the life of our church so that we can do it all for your glory and in the name of Jesus. Amen.